don't use this for the don't use this for the cold open because it's like yeah vandy kind of sucks uga is good at the things vandy's bad at we're gonna win by a lot see y'all later anyway Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. And this weekend, our beloved dogs, our little pups, are headed on their way out of town on their first big adventure to go meet, eh, the first big SEC adventure, we'll say, to go meet the the Nashville Vanderbilt Commodores, uh, the rich kids of the SEC, if you will. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about stats and sports today and give you some some updates on what is going on in the Georgia football world, uh, what you need to know, and how you can argue with all your friends this weekend as you watch the game. Uh, because it's mm-hmm. going to be, it's, it's, it's not going to be a snooze fest. There's going to be plenty to see, but uh, we're here to equip you with the tools you need in order to keep it away from being I just wanna, said I just want to stop you right there. Saying this mm-hmm. is not going to be a snooze, <laughs> snooze fest. Like, I believe in myself, but that's a big <laughs> ask for the two of yeah. us, right? Yeah, like, we're going to do I, our best I, here. I, I think we're good with numbers, but man, that is that is a that's a heavy lift that you just put in front of us. But you, I respect it. Yeah, do you feel that? I, that's yeah, the I weight of we this game on your shoulders. That's yeah. Well, let's start as we always do with some subjective narratives, some new stuff. Of course, we call them subjective course. narratives, but I guess we just throw everything that is current events that isn't stats in here. Um, yeah. We always start by looking at the Wikipedia, which is a great website if you like college football. Uh, of the matchup and it, this is going to shock you to know that this is not a this is not a not a competitive series uh the nope. currently 58 wins for georgia 20 wins for vanderbilt two ties uh that's a 0.738 win percentage for georgia not um you know since the beginning of the series the first time it was played is within 1894 which is a 35 to nothing vanderbilt victory which is their second largest victory in the series their first or third largest rather their first largest came in 1901 when they won 47 to nothing and then 1913 when they won 46 to nothing those are back in you know back in the heady days of vanderbilt before the kaiser and uh (laughs) before the black hand kicked off the great war and things were still good for vanderbilt um since then, if we look at our little chart of wins and losses, things have not gone great for our old our old Commodore brethren. Just, you know, not a incredibly successful football team. Uh, right there around 2012-2013 was probably the high watermark for Vanderbilt in the modern era with uh, James Franklin. Then other than that, 1943, they went 5-0 and with Ernst Hayes Alley as their coach. Uh, and then let's see, they went eight and zero with Dan McGowan back in the heyday of 1904, uh, before the Spanish flu epidemic and the and World War One took all their mojo. Before the Roaring Twenties, when the G-Men came and took all of their money out of the the behind the brick walls of their speakeasy, when Vandy had it good. Um. So yeah, not a not a not really much. His, I mean, lots of history to the series, but. Like like much of the competitive side of this game, not an incredibly <laughs> interesting one, if only because of its one sidedness. Yeah, 
some fun things that I've learned <laughs> while you've been talking about this. So this is usually, you know, when we start talking about uh, the the history of things, we start talking about, uh, you know, just kind of what's going on between these two teams and the kind of the history between them. I like to to find a few quick facts, a few quick fun facts about the places and the people that we're playing. And, and something that I learned about Vanderbilt today is uh, <laughs> I found a fun website called Cornelius Vanderbilt Facts for Kids. Uh, Cornelius Vanderbilt himself was, of course, the man that uh, yeah, he he provided the initial gift to found Vanderbilt University. And by God, please go look up his picture and his portrait, because that's that's only a face that uh, I guess, you know, a, a family could love, you know, of a of a very wealthy patriarch. Um, this man also, you know, if you didn't already know, he is responsible. Uh, big quotes. This is, of course, an audio medium responsible for building the New York Central Railroad. Um, and then making a shit ton of money off of it. But he comes from the, the you know, titular Vanderbilt family, of course. Um, and one of my favorite quotes from this on this Cornelius Vanderbilt Facts for Kids is, um, born poor and having but a mediocre education. Just mediocre education is probably my favorite part of this whole thing. He used perseverance, intelligence, and luck to work into leadership positions in the inland water trade and invest in the rapidly growing railroad industry. So, right place, right time. So, um, it's the story of white did, men everywhere. Did you know, can I can I tell you a, another fact about Cornelius Vanderbilt? Yes, please. He was, he owned, uh, he was like a transportation magnate, and he owned a bunch of ships, but he owned like a personal sne- steamer that he could mm-hmm. sail up and down the Hudson River, like, you know, think like paddle boat kind of deal. My God. That was, this is the evocative motion for power, powder boat. Uh, Powder boat, Jesus. Powder boats for paddle. For that's a mix of a power uh, a power boat and a paddle boat. It's just like uh-huh, made uh-huh. of cocaine. This is the evocative gesture for paddle boat because this you know podcasting is a visual medium. But anyway, uh, Cornelius <laughs> Vanderbilt's personal paddle boat was called or personal steamer was called the Sea Vanderbilt. Ooh, so not of only it is. not only humble but also creative. You gotta mm-hmm, love mm-hmm. that in a guy. Gotta love him. Anyway, um, other- eat the rich. <laughs> Some, uh, I'm sure, some of our favorite, I'm sure that we're uh, going to get some some comment now that's like, you're really insulting all the rich UGA fans out there. All the rich people there. listening to this show. Just know yeah, that before you're you write that down, let me just people. say, I don't just mean eat the rich in like a sort of metaphorical way. I mean that they we would be better served actually practicing cannibalism on them. They're Carry on. They're so full of nutrition they're, because they're of all the money. They're supple, fat body. <laughs> Okay. Um, some of the <laughs> notable alumni. Are we live? Play, you know, we sure are. We sure are live talking to the whole damn world <laughs> on Al Gore's internet. And speaking yeah. of Al Gore, Al Gore is not actually an alumni of Vanderbilt. He is a two-time dropout. So even you can drop out of college and go to on to become the vice president of the United States of these. You know, United good for States. him. Yeah, good for him. He did good it. For he her. really did it. Um, I think that somebody also mentioned that Anderson Cooper is a Vanderbilt alumni, and if he is, that would be neat. But also, I think that he's just part of the Vanderbilt family also. So, uh, but Anderson I love, Cooper I love Anderson Vanderbilt. Cooper. <laughs> Actually, I think he's just a descendant, so says Joel Wait, um, on our Discord. For $1 a month, I know you can I just said that we should literally... I know we just said that we should literally eat the rich, but I do love Anderson Cooper, so... I'm I going do to walk Anderson. that back a little bit. Let's not eat Anderson Cooper. Let's strategically eat the rich. All right, moving on. So uh, hit me with some of these subjective narratives that you have here. Yeah, so one that I keep hearing that I think is interesting is the is the whole, well, Vanderbilt canceled this game twice last year and then was able to play against Tennessee the next week 
and they canceled because of COVID issues and the whole thing of like, oh, well, we didn't get to have a senior day because being able to canceled. I don't I mean, I guess in that sense, like people are saying it's like a revenge game. I don't really think the team gives a shit about that. I mean, like <laughs> certainly I'm sure the seniors last year did. But the thing about seniors last year is that they're either not on the team or they get to have a senior year this year. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that at the time, if you'll recall, back in the heady days of 2020 when life was good. Anyway, um, <laughs> Vanderbilt canceled this game right in the middle of the whole like Sarah Fuller is the kicker per- thing. And I feel like a lot of people who are like, let's get revenge against Vanderbilt. Um, hold on. I don't want to use ad homonyms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I hear that, <laughs> what it sounds like to me, to use my therapy language, is that this is a revenge game against the team that played a girl, which you don't like. Now, I mm-hmm. could be wrong because I am an idiot. I got an English degree and then started a stats podcast. So don't listen to me. But when I hear that, that's what I think. Uh, do you have any other response to that? No, I think you got you about covered it there. <laughs> um, other things that people are talking about, uh, it, it just seems very much. So uh, actually, I'll I'll repeat this thing that Brad Nessler said because it pissed me off. Is that uh, he is convinced, um, seemingly convinced that. And he, he said this on, on live television because, you know, he want to do. But uh, he talked about how he doesn't feel like we have a, uh, we have a running game or a dominant um, running back or an identity as far as our running game goes. And then he went on to decide uh, that uh, even though Daniels came in at the end of last season and won all the games he started, Nestler said, this is a, a quote, who did he beat? Who did he beat? Is what Brad Nestler wanted to say. Um, as if last year was a real season is how I feel about it. But... Um, I don't know. Like, wh- how do you feel about uh, just kind of the 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 poopooers that are poopooing upon um, this team right now? Uh, this team whose whose stats we talk about and share with the the world each weekend. I, uh, <laughs> you've actually rendered me speechless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just cool. I mean, it's yeah. actually kind of great. I, no, I, I'm not being sarcastic. Hold on. I need this to come out as sincerely as possible. Mm-hmm. If you were Kirby Smart and you were planning, what is the best possible season for a team with the second most talent in the nation and then a big gap to three, right? There would be a couple of things you would want. You would want the more talented team ahead of you to have some chinks in the armor. Check. You would mm-hmm. want the... You would want, you know, to... Avoid rat poison by having people constantly underestimate you. Check. <laughs> you would want some of your less talented opponents to show some life so that you could, you know, pick up, uh, pick it up in practice. You would want to beat your opening uh, non-conference opponent, but in a close enough way that it's clear that you're still not as a, complete as a team. And you would want your injuries to come early during camp so that you could get your guy, your best guys back for the stretch run. Mm-hmm. So it's like, cool. I hope I hope there are a thousand Brad Nestlers. I hope <laughs> that there. I hope that the interior of the football operations building, which is what they're calling it now, because Buttsmere is a stupid name for a building, sure uh, is. Yeah, I hope that the inside of the football operations building is just plastered wall to wall with Brad Nestler's doughy red white guy face, and <laughs> I hope that 
Paul Feinbaum says something stupid. I hope that Anderson Cooper gets into college football just so that he can say something stupid about Georgia because this is literally uh, like this is this is it's kind of like when people I saw this thing where people were predicting uh, uh, the possible college football playoff matchups and one of them that they had was like oh a tight game between Georgia and Iowa and it's like and we talked about this in the SC in the SC review mm-hmm. but it's like uh, Georgia Iowa is like the game Kirby Smart was born to coach. It's like oh, he, yeah. <laughs> it's like oh no, don't not that. I don't want to play a defensive slugfest where you know the be- the best executing team with the best run game wins all the time. Oh no, it's like come on now, you're just you're playing into Kirby Smart's hands, and it's like you keep calling him stupid, and and it's like this is a team that is missing at least two starters, maybe three, depending how you count it. That are all that were all four or five stars. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. Talk <laughs> go shit. On. That's fine. Do your thing. It's fine. So uh, another uh, a lot of the the talk right now is talking about um, our injuries update. So we have uh, a number of of players that are still out, but Kirby uh, was able to kind of shed a little bit of light on all of their situations individually for the most part over uh, just media day and in the last few days, and so. Um, Darnell Washington could be back this week. Tyke Smith could be back this week. They're both practicing. Um, Dominic Blaylock probably back, uh, which is very exciting. Uh, and then th- there's a couple that are, are, are bigger questions. And I wanted to ask you if you knew anything about Arik Gilbert first before we get into George Pickens. Yeah, so I don't want to talk too much about things that I've heard because mm-hmm. I- I'm all about rumors until they become about people's personal life. Mm-hmm. I feel confident in saying that when Eric Gilbert is ready to play college football, he will play at Georgia, given that he is ready to play college football again. Uh, it is clear to me, based on people that I've talked to, that he is not currently ready. And that, you know, I think that we need to give people grace. You know, the, the, it's a word that gets kind of maybe overused in a Judeo-Christian context. But I think grace in the just very dictionary connotative or sorry, denotative definition of like, you know, allowing people uh, the opportunity to like heal themselves and, you know, giving people a little bit of like relief from pressure. And I and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think Eric Gilbert very well may be back this year. I think it might be one of those things where if it happens, it's like we don't hear anything about it. And then one Tuesday they're like, well, Eric Gilbert was at practice. He was suited mm-hmm. up, catching passes, uh, and I hope that he gets that. But really, I mean, I think the number one thing is just like anyone who has gone through a crisis of a personal nature will tell you that, you know, these things kind of happen in their own time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good little uh, update. Uh, George Pickens. Smart did say that George Pickens has been um, running some routes. He's been doing some cutting, which is really great. He's actually ahead of schedule based on uh, those those acts um, from having his his knee repaired and, and pretty much totally uh, a brand new knee in there. So um, some of the, I will say, uh, some of the expectations and some of the projections for when he could be back Um uh, it's it's somewhat typical and it's it's always like a case-by-case situation for each person like some people take a lot longer for um the leg to get strong enough the graft to take hold um strong enough for your doctor to be confident in its ability to do its thing um and some people take a lot longer so um 
it's it's somewhat typical. I've been reading that at nine months he could be playing uh, in very limited capacity, and so nine months puts that at the Florida game. Uh, I don't think I expect him to be at the Florida game. That's like that's a lot of that's a big game, and it's an unnecessary risk I feel for him unless we get to Florida and they're just deciding to continue playing lights out. But uh, I do think that we could definitely see him uh, still before the end of the regular season based on that information alone. So, you know, keep your fingers yeah, crossed. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that you've heard from about the Florida game is that he's taking cuts and he's practicing against air with the rest of the wide receivers. <laughs> UGA had its first practice availability uh, in, I think, two years yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. So... In that period, this all kind of came out because Pickens was, you know, catching passes for the rest of the wide receivers. And I think people are projecting out that, you know, usually when you can take cuts at full speed, even con- even no contact, that you are, I don't know, four to eight weeks out or something like that. And that that basically could lead you to the Florida game. I think that my biggest takeaway is that I think that really the thing that that a lot of people who I think are pretty well informed, their reaction to his injury was that, well, we're never going to see him again, not because he's not going to be ready, but because he's just going to be prepping for the NFL draft. And I think mm-hmm. given the way the series is, or the season has worked out to this point, it, it seems that he has a lot of motivation uh, and is still very much like with the team wants to be a part of the team. And also UGA is playing well enough that I think he probably thinks what raises my draft stock if, I mean, I think even mm-hmm. selfishly to him, it's like, yes, it's a risk to go back out on the college football field on a repaired knee. But what raises your draft stock more than being healthy is being healthy and performing on a team that has a chance to go to the national championship. So it seems like kind of the stars are aligning with Pickens. I I, I agree. I'm not sure that I think, you know, acting like it's fait accompli that we get him back at uh, the Florida game is probably a little premature. But I kind of thought it was going to be. Oh, is my audio robotic? Oh, no. It's it's pretty normal. It happens most weeks. <laughs> I think God, it's an internet situation. A... Your your actual audio is not bad, um, being recorded anyway. It's infuriating because like I just improved my internet. Like I have mm-hmm. whatever the package is just under gig speed. I'm gonna get an. I, I'm not even on Wi-Fi. I'm on a hardwired router. I'm like hardwired to the router. It's infuriating. Mm-hmm. Arg. <laughs> You were on such a roll. You got distracted. I'm being told it might be Discord. What's my ping? Right now, very low. Anyway, I'm sorry. Um, Where was (laughs) I? George Pickens. Yeah. So although it's, you know, overall, very good. uh, Very good news overall. I'm going to stop Mm -hmm. checking the Discord. I've I've been told to. Uh, I think, you know. The other injury news that I think is interesting, not for Georgia, is that this was a 31-point line in Georgia-Vanderbilt, and then uh, mm-hmm. we found out that Ramon Davis, who is Vanderbilt's leading rusher, was out for the year with a toe injury, and now it's up to a 35-point uh, line. I think we might get even more closing line value. I think this might be like – we might see like a near 40-point line in an SEC game. Uh, other injury notes for UGA, sounds like Tyke Smith and George Pickens are – or sorry, Tyke Smith and Darnell Washington are targeting this week. Kirby mm-hmm. on his last on his last media availability today just said that they were targeting to come back this week. So I don't know, you know, I don't know for sure if this is 
I, you know, the word targeting is always like, that's a little, to me, that sounds like a little bit of coach, like weasel wording, you know, it's like, well, they want to come back this week. Well, it's like, yeah, they want to come back every week, but I do think it's possible that we see both of those guys and I don't think we need them for this week. I don't know that we need most of the first team for this week, but I think, you know, definitely having these guys going into Auburn and Arkansas, uh, especially Tyke Smith, I, I think it's just, you, you can't, you, you can't overemphasize the value of it. Uh, Dominic Playlock, it sounds like maybe back, maybe coming back. Uh, mm-hmm. It sounds like Kyrus Jackson is back. He he caught a couple of passes, so I don't know. I mean, it seems like knock on wood, everyone do whatever crossing yourself, purifying ritual, warding uh, off of evil spirits that you can. It seems like that we are in decent shape. Knock on wood again. Uh, in the injury situation, knock on wood a third time. Uh, pray to God. Uh, going into the stretch run here. So that's good. Going or not even the stretch run, the muted schedule here. Yeah. So I know so that's that's a little bit of all of our subjective narratives. Do you want to uh, launch into some of this actual data that we have um, set aside for all of this? All right. Yeah, this is gonna be short. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh this game's not gonna be competitive. It's the kind of thing where it's like, I, I'm not trying to dunk on Vandy because it's like, look. God bless Vandy fans for being Vandy fans because it ain't easy. And we talk about being tortured UGA fans all the time, but like we got nothing on that shit. Like if you, if you're like the guy who is running Vandy's like SB Nation blog, like freaking saint. Like what a, Mm -hmm. what a, what a pure, like no more pure sports fan in the world than a Vandy fan at this point. So I'm not, I'm not trying to dump on them. It's just that like, even at the things that van that uga is bad at vandy is somehow worse like okay so uga has not had a consistent rush performance in epa this year and um it, only four games in four games three games only three games in uh uga's rush numbers and epa are really being affected by just a poor uh showing against clemson and a little bit against uab so right now uga is a uh, hundredth in rush epa rank but vandy is 114th and I have UGA as 69th in line yards rank, and Vandy is 124th nice. pass EPA rank. And this is the real this is the real one. Is pass EPA rank for UGA right now has gotten all the way up to 32nd. We're an above average pass offense, y'all. Pew 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 pew. Uh, and uh, pass EPA <laughs> rank defensively for Vandy 84th. The only thing on the entire sheet sheet where UGA uh, is outranked by Vandy is in points per opportunity because UGA has not had very many red zone drives because they've been scoring from outside of the red zone. So their points per opportunity is how many points you score each time you get inside of the opponent's 40. And UGA hasn't been inside of the opponent's 40 because they've been scoring from their own 45 most of the time. And the only time that they had was against Clemson and they haven't done very well at it. So they're 96th in that and Vandy is 65th and PPO surrendered. In terms of strength of schedule, I added... uh, I guess another stats update is that me and a couple of the our patrons, including uh, Mr. One of them is named Ryan and one of them is named Ross. I'm not going to say their last names on, on camera or whatever, but Ryan and Ross and I have been working on a, I'm not going to say competitor, but a version of something more like FPI, like a, a, a power index. And in the pursuit of that, we've started looking at ELS, which is a Brian, uh, Brian Freemau stat that is like, exceptional losses estimated and it's basically just like how many losses would a very good team have against the schedule that this team has played to this point in the season right so we can use that to give us a resume strength of schedule rank so basically like how impressive is what vandy has faced this year and uga's is fourth and vandy's is 112th so So it's like even 
Vandy has played poorly against bad teams. Yeah. You know, okay. I mean, so, and that and that's when UJ has the ball. When when Vandy has the ball, it like, okay, UJ's defensive ranks. I'm not even gonna tell you the stats. UJ's defensive ranks. First, twelfth, first, seventeenth, twenty-sixth, seventh, second, first, second, thirty-eighth, first, fourth. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty damn they're like good. Unequivocally the best. They're Brad Nessler was like what what sh- what gobsmacked me earlier was Brad Nessler was hemming and hawing about like well maybe they're better than everybody it's like no Brad actually they are objectively better than everyone and it's yeah. not like close really at all yeah he was kind of talking have. about like <laughs> he said maybe they're the best you know or no he said they're as good as any other defense maybe the best defense <laughs> no no that's <laughs> like, not okay that's not what this Jackass. is like it's not it's not particularly close um. So I want to actually go back to this resume um, strength of schedule ring because this is very exciting that it's it's sort of our own um, uh, uh, IP here. Um, so I want to better understand it. So it sounds, correct me if I'm wrong and, and go back through it for a second, but it sounds like it it aggregates the and, and then weights your previous schedule from the year, but it doesn't yeah, so look at the remaining schedule. It doesn't look, it, it doesn't look forward. So we're, we're, okay. we stole this. This is not ours. Like the, okay. the rankings we did ourselves, but this Got is you. not, this is not our data. This is from Brian Freemal. He, I think he's at BFC toys, BCF toys. I think is his website. He does uh, the FEI, which is the Freemal efficiency index. It's, it's one of the big mm-hmm. uh, advanced statistics efficiency sort of, uh, I don't know, players or whatever. And he ELS, he has ELS, ALS, and GLS. And those are basically each one of those stats measures of the games that you played, how many losses would a good, average, and excellent team have? So average measures middle of the bell curve, right? How many, how many losses would a middle of the bell curve team have against this, what you've played so far? Uh, GLS measures how many be- losses would a sort of first standard deviation team uh, like, you know, one chunk out on the bell curve have against this team. And then ELS measures how many losses would an exceptional two standard deviation team have against the against the teams you played. UGA is uh, fourth in ELS in the nation with 0.58 uh, expected losses for an exceptional team, mainly because they played Clemson and UAB has looked good in the times when they haven't been playing uh, when they haven't been playing UGA. Uh, and Vandy is 112th because they lost to a MAC team. So, huh, yeah. Like and so, so makes sense. It, it, okay. it is a, it is a it is a rear facing statistic. It is not forward facing. So it is not gotcha. a holistic measure of how strong the schedule to be played is, because schedule. If you have if you have a, a schedule a, an SOS rating that is uh, looking at all twelve games, you're having to constantly update that based on whatever efficiency model you're using to yeah. measure the power of the teams that are going to be on the schedule. So for instance, like. You know, at the beginning of the year, UGA schedule didn't look as good on a forward-facing metric because we were playing Arkansas and Florida, who preseason were not expected to be very good by some of the models, right? On the other hand, now our schedule looks very good based on, you know, performance after the fact or whatever from those two teams. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. It it sounds like it's kind of like another way to look at it is like of the teams that would play this game, you were this percentile. You know, you were the top percentile of all the teams that could have played this game. Um, well, it, it, it's more like it's more like how hard would it be for all the other teams to play these games that gotcha. you have played? Yeah. Okay. Right? Like so. So like UGA against Vandy schedule to this point probably could be three and zero with its JV team. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. what the 112th resume SOS rank, SOS rank tells you. 
next segment. Next segment. Subjective stuff and how it matches up. Yeah. So here's the thing. I this <laughs> again, I'm speechless <laughs> for the second time in the same episode. This this team oh, is they're man. not like Yukon historically bad. Like, you know how like I don't know if, if if you follow Bill Connolly online, the guy who runs SP Plus, he had this tweet about how like Yukon this year is worse per SP Plus but than like 1890 Erskine. They're like one of the worst teams to ever play football Oof. based on the on the advanced metrics Yukon is. And Vandy's not that bad, but they're not that much better. And like the subjective narrative of UGA goes in and waxes Vandy has not always been true, right? Like UGA has had some close games and some dumb losses against Vandy. I will be like my soul will leave my body via my skeleton <laughs> climbing out of my mouth if we lose this game. Like that like what is Mary Beth Smart's favorite number? What is Kirby and Mary's Beth's anniversary? What is their anniversary? That's the number of, yeah. Because that's the number of points that UGA is going to score. Like, if if Kirby wants to be like a good husband, he's going to be like, oh, well, I know your favorite number is 83, so we're going to go score 83 <laughs> points. Because they could if they wanted to. Yeah. Like, I, I no joke, I'm going to have to like, <laughs> try to opponent adjust UGA's data ranks more because they played Vandy because all of our ranks offensively are going to go way up after playing them. Like the, the number one thing is get this guy, you know, is like get everybody through healthy, get some guys, some playing time, get Tyke Smith, Darnell Washington into the rotation. If they're healthy, figure out some stuff on the offensive line, figure out, you know, who's going to play guard because that's the big question right now, you know, because Warren Erickson has not looked great at guard. Figure out, you know, figure out some stuff about the team and keep everyone healthy. That's it. You can do whatever else you want. Hmm. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a silly game. I think it's going to be a game to work out some things. Because like we said in our, our review episode of the South Carolina game that, or I said at least, that there were definitely some sloppy moments. There were some some O-line sloppy moments. There was just just some ball handling moments where... Um, that, that I haven't really seen in, in recent memory, I feel like, from this team because it's something that we we practice well, we drill well, and it's something that we, I, I you know, it's not common to see uh, issues with handling the ball. And so I, I'm looking forward to seeing what we've done to fix those issues. Uh, but like you said, like we, we can pick our score. It's going to be very much a Georgia is playing Georgia kind of thing. And, and what I mean by yeah. that is that we're on, we're our, we are our best and worst enemy in this situation. Um of because it's more or less like playing solitaire (laughs) well i mean it's like the number one goal for this game and we're going to say like things we want to see the things i want to see is no major injuries Mm -hmm. the rest of it's gravy dude yeah i mean it's like keep everybody healthy beat the hell out of this team and get out of here yeah that's very true like i want to see i want to see um i definitely want to see the the ball run i want to see kind of um what we do there um and I, I just wrote, be cool, y'all. Be cool, y'all. And what I mean by that is, like, I feel like this is the point in the season where you have a very dominant team. We've seen other dominant teams in past years where they they finally realize, like, oh, it's like it's like the, you know, somebody comes back from summer um, to high school and they're like, oh, I realize now that I'm hot. Um, and they kind of get a big head. And so that's, again, not an issue we've had with this Georgia team in past years. I think we have a great culture of, of keeping people in check and staying staying the target but this is in past years i feel like this is by game four you start seeing some of that ego um from other teams and so be cool be cool because 
You don't want to have a big ego. You don't want to have a big head. You don't want to get hurt because next week could actually be a really difficult game, which we it is a funny thing to say out loud because it's not what we expected when we looked at our our, our season schedule for the uh, the this Arkansas team to be the, the probably the most difficult home game we'll have all season. I would say we need to run the ball. Just prove that you can run the ball. You're going to be able to run the ball against this team. Figure out your offensive line rotation. Act like you've been there for before. Right. So I don't mean just like step on their throat. I mean, you're going to do that just like walking out the door. I mean, like I'm not like a be respectful person, but there is a point at which like like I think UJ could probably score 70 on these guys. Like, I don't <laughs> think they are, but it's like we could. That's hard to do. And I just want, you know, you know, like um, it, if you want to, I wouldn't I just hope that we don't do anything pit, uh, petty because pettiness has a way in in college football of being paid back in some karmic fashion. And, mm-hmm. you know, I try to be pretty objective, but I do believe that UJ football is cursed. So I would really like to keep the, like the mana flowing correctly. I'd like to keep all of our, all of our meridians aligned and our, our Danitans open and flowing, you know, like our chi in a good place. Uh-huh. And I feel like if, if we go in here and duck on this team, which is actually weirdly getting better in some ways, like, organizationally and structurally, I think they're much better off under Clark Lee than they were under Derek Mason. Uh, then I think maybe we'll be, we'll be in better shape. Yeah. So you want to get into some talk about Arkansas? Oh yeah. Do you oh, talk about absolutely. Arkansas? I do want to talk about Arkansas and I even have a note here about it. So yeah, uh, Arkansas and Texas A&M are playing this weekend and the way that things are going, if Arkansas wins this game, which it's getting closer and closer to kind of a coin toss as to which of these teams comes out the victor uh, from over the weekend. And so Arkansas could come to Athens as a top 10 team if they beat the Aggies this weekend, which would be a great matchup and one that we did not expect to see. So I kind of wanted to ask you, like, what do we need to see from this team or, or what is indicative of Georgia working on the right things to get ready for Arkansas next weekend? Because I know that we want to, of course, focus on Vanderbilt, and that's exactly what Coach Kirby Smart would say, is that we're focusing one weekend at a time, we're focusing on this team, these are the good things they do, yada, 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 these are the things we got to fix. And so he, you know, outwardly is not focusing on Arkansas, but that is the next big thing on the horizon, is what what sort of things do we need to see in this game to that, that would indicate that um, we're getting ready for Arkansas, one, and also, I don't know, anything else you got to share about Arkansas? Uh, I would say... I, I think the biggest thing is to not Arkansas is going to run the shit out of the ball and you kind of want to make their guy, their quarterback, whose name is escaping me. Um, uh, what's his face? Um, Jefferson. Yeah. You want to make KJ Jefferson throw the ball. Not that he is like a bad passing quarterback. It's just that he hasn't really shown that level of development. Like he's not a, he's not an NFL style guy. So like, I think you want to make him you want to make him throw the ball and I think to prepare for that you need to prepare not just really good run fits because they have an excellent run game with him at the helm but also you know prepare for those deep shots that you're going to take off of it once you stop stop the ball right or mm-hmm. once you stop um the run. UGA got caught in some like play fakes last year against South, or last week against South Carolina and I think that like one of the best things that UGA can do is try to clean some of that junk up. Yeah. Right. You know, like run fit, but also be smart. Keep your eyes, you know, in the backfield, but don't get don't get caught up. Know where you should be. Just like little things that 
when you are playing a team where the plan is to get them to be one dimensional, you have to be good at the thing you're going to make them one dimensional in. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you want, if you're going to say KJ Jefferson has to beat us with his arm, then you have to be prepared for him to try to beat you with his arm. Right. And so that means cleaning up some stuff in coverage. That means, you know, getting past these coverage busts. It means, I mean, not offensively, like cleaning up some stuff on the offensive line, we had some negative plays on the rushing in the rushing game against the USC that were just literally because of missed blocks, right? Yeah, that's it. So just tightening up the game, and which is a, a natural, you know, product of a team progressing through the season. Usually, is getting tighter, mm-hmm. practicing more, figuring it out as you go. Um, we will talk more about Arkansas next week, of course, and we might even have some things to say about uh, this game, even more so than the Georgia Vanderbilt game in our review show. So. Uh, until then, let's get into the over-unders. So what do you have for us so far? Uh, let's see. I have over-under, we'll say two and a half rushing touchdowns. Two and a half rushing touchdowns. Um, I will say, I'll say over, uh, because I think that even when we're trying to run the ball near the end of the game, we're still going to get touchdowns. <laughs> what about yeah, you? I'm going to say over as well. Mm-hmm um i almost put i'll tell you i almost put vander griffin here for your sake just you know in your eye i I saw that you put back and i was like are you trail are you like trolling me right now i am trolling you right now i almost put vander just for your sake i don't think we'll see vander but um will we see beck over under nine and a half snaps uh i'm gonna say over i'm gonna say over i'm gonna say under it doesn't seem like that's the the move i know that we want to get a lot of quarterback rotation but it, it's it's wishful feel it's wishful feeling it is or wishful yeah, thinking well, on my part but i will say like it you know usually we think that you know when we get that far down the quarterback depth charts because we're beating somebody so bad but i think that there is a positive spin on not seeing back also is the fact that we are still trying to give bennett some uh some game time one because you want him to stay next year like you've said in previous episodes and also he has some things he needs to work on so I think that's that's probably what we might see a little bit more, unless we are just beating them like seventy to three. Um, so what's what's your next one? Uh, over under the actual over under for the game is fifty one. I'm gonna say over. I I think that, like you said, if the quarterback rotation is more about just maintenance of the offense and getting everybody ready, I think you're gonna. I think at this point you have to just call if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, then it's a duck. I think through three Mm -hmm. games, you have to just say like, this is a UGA UGA defense that passes to run. (laughs) Like it's a UGA UGA offense rather that throws the ball deep because they want to and have to, and that's what they think they're good at. So I don't really think that I think we'll take the foot off the gas a touch. Um, Oh man, I got to update my, my, Oh no, I got my predictive score. I think we're going to take the foot off the gas, but I think even with that, I kind of think the second team's going to score. I think if you run that horrible inside zone play that we hate so much against this team, <laughs> you're going to have good yardage most of the time. And I think UGA has enough things to figure out that it's not going to just go into a shell. So I'm going to say over. Okay. Um, I'll also say over just because I think it's it's going to happen. It's going to happen. What's Mary Beth's favorite number? If I do get yeah. uh, press credit, as long as ever, that is over 50. Ask. Yeah. Second question for me over under UGA punts two and a half. And I came upon this number because we have so far 11 punts on the year for 521 yards. So we're averaging right around that three-ish mark if we included Mm -hmm. this game. Um, So do you think we're going to punt over or under two and a half times? 
Uh, I'm going to say under. I don't, I don't really see the stops on this team. I mean, mm-hmm. the only re- I guess the un- I guess the only way you would say over is if you said like UJ is literally just going to run it up the middle in the fourth quarter the entire time, which they may very well do that. But at the same time, I think that we might get touchdowns that way. Um, <laughs> uh, you said under. I'm going to say over for the sake of being subversive. What's your last one? Uh, just subversiveness because I'm a stinker. Over I'm under, a real, I'm a little rascal. <laughs> Nathan's favorite plays himself move is over under 0.5 Daniel snaps in the fourth quarter. I'm going to say under because damn it, it's going to happen someday. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I, I think if it's going to happen, it's this team. Yeah, it, that's true though. Yeah, there, there's got to come a day where he just doesn't play in the fourth quarter. Um, I'll say under as well. I'll, I'll go with you. I won't be a stinker. No stinking here. I mean, the point of, the point of this uh, the point of these over unders is not for betting. It's to just sort of like get a feel for how we think the game's going to go before we do our uh, mm-hmm. before we do our predictions. And I think I've been pretty clear about what I think what I think the game's going to be like. Yeah. I so I've been trying to figure out what I wanted um, this last over under to be, and it's it's going to be a non traditional over under. I really want to know um, if we do have a good day running, if we get some touchdowns, if we, if, you know, if, if we have a good rotation of our, our backs, who is going to come out with the most running back running touchdowns, um, at the end of the day, you think you got white Milton cook Macintosh most likely. I think I'm going to, I rushing touchdowns mm-hmm. or just overall touchdowns, R- rushing touchdowns. touchdowns, but rushing. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think I'll say cook. I think I'll say white rather because I think this is a game where we might try to feed him a little bit in the first half. If it was just if it was rushing and receiving, then I would probably say this cook. is more of like a prop bet than an over under. Yeah, yeah, but if it was rushing and receiving, I'd say Cook because I think Cook is in, he's not a touchdown vulture, but he has just a lot of opportunities. He does. He's little. He's quick. Our fast little boy. Um, I will say Cook makes the most sense for total touchdowns. You're right, um, but I do think that White is the one that's going to keep the ball running um in the the later half of the game gonna get him some more reps and he'll probably see maybe two touchdowns that would be pretty neat mm-hmm. i would i would be into that uh do you want to f- paint us a beautiful little picture for how this game will go uh, with your overall prediction of this game if i'm painting a word picture this is like brutalism more than it's like impressionism i mm-hmm. think uj is going to dominate this from the start to the beginning and i think this is going to be one of the bigger blowouts in the kirby smart era because i think that even i think uj might have the talent where even if they run the same damn play in the third and fourth quarter that they're still going to score a couple of times so i'm i'm going to get out there and get real bold and say uh, this is uh, this is georgia minus 35 over under 51 points which is like something like a 41 to 7 score and i think georgia's probably not going to give up a touchdown unless they just want to. Uh, so I'm saying 51 to six. <laughs> Oof. Man, that is a wild prediction, honestly. Uh. Yeah, I just, I, I just think, <laughs> I know Georgia doesn't traditionally run up the score under Kirby Smart, but I, I think that this is a time where it's almost just like you can't help it. Like you're yeah. going to just run up the score by ro- running out on the field. <laughs> I mean, this is not like, <laughs> like, y'all, I can't even tell you like, Hold on. Let me let me just. So I haven't I haven't I haven't looked at this this week uh, almost intentionally because I've been trying to kind of focus on my own metrics. But I have this metrical sheet that I've been using um, when I do like sort of pick stuff that has uh, that has basically a 
an average of what the predicted difference in the game is going to be from a bunch of different advanced stats places. And mm-hmm. so that one has this game as, let's see, the average margin of victory in this game for my sheet. The average margin of victory for this game on my sheet is negative 35. Jeez. Okay. Like, like that's... Which is the... That's, that's the insane. That's the, that's the line. Yeah. 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 That, that's... That's insane for a couple of reasons. One, because lot you know, predicted margins of victory don't get that big. Like that's just not how like big uh, advanced metrics are designed to work, right? Like you you always have to factor in like Vandy has more talent than a lot of teams that are performing less well than it, right? There's still some like background data from preseason predictions and returning production, and like. I think if like if you're seeing 35 through all four of those averages of all of these systems, that means that like there's a possibility that it could go up, which is like for it to even get to 35 is just like I, I'm like gobsmacked by it. Like the only other the closest one I can see this week, aside from Vandy at 35 and projected margin of victory, is the only one that gets above that is Ohio Northwestern. It's projected as a 45 point team as a 45 point win. And that's a Mac team versus a big 10 team. Mm. Yeah. Or no, sorry. Ohio state Akron is a 45 point win. Yeah. The only, that's the only game I can find that's less competitive is Mac versus Ohio state. Right. So like, that's the kind of thing we're talking about here. Yeah. This is, it's very similar for those of you that, um, were, (laughs) I was going to say edgelords, uh, which I'm saying that as a, I was probably, a, you know, before the term was a thing, a bit of an edgelord in high school at, at times. Um, uh, I feel like the edgelord movie was the Boondock Saints. Like it was the best movie you've ever seen. And there's that scene with um, uh, Willem Dafoe when he's like describing the firefight at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And he's like just describing it was a bloodbath and that kind of thing. Yeah. Like this is kind of it, it feels reminiscent of that scene in some ways. <coughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah. My prediction is is pretty similar to yours. Fifty six three Georgia. Um, oh Lord yeah. Jesus, Lord Jesus. <laughs> I think we might hit fifty in this game. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that we cover the over under ourselves um, for this game. We cover the spread ourselves. Um, wolf, man, oh man, Georgia Vanderbilt. What a time to be alive, or not? Would you like to get into our favorite segment of the show? Yeah, let's get through these because I got to get to band practice. Okay, yeah. If you want to actually ask any questions for us in the future for Ask CBC, a lot of people have been utilizing our chapel bell curve at gmail.com, which you can send questions through that. You may also, if you would like, uh, send questions through Twitter or hop onto our Discord for just $1 a month, and you can be a friend of ours and all of these other lovely people that we have uh, become friends with. So first question comes to Ryan. Do you think the O-line struggles with run blocking are personnel-related or coaching-related? I think they're personnel-related uh, because I think there's just sort of some bad play, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I think that you've got some guys playing out of position because of injuries. And I mean, that's maybe the only place that UJ hasn't been looking on injuries and that there's just guys who have not yet gelled into it. Yeah. Okay. Um, next question comes from our Gmail. Matt Zilla asks, Florida seems like the most obvious difficult game in the remainder of the season, but what other SEC East teams do you think will be potential trap games that could ruffle a run to the SEC championship game? I think it's Kentucky. I think Kentucky is like the obvious mm-hmm. number three. I think Kentucky is going to give Florida a hell of a time as well. I know that they almost lost to Chattanooga this weekend, but uh, I would say that 
all that aside, they are kind of a team that's built to upset people and play like the dirty, gross football or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christy in London. A quarter of the way through the season, if UGA were to play Bama and Atlanta tomorrow in a vacuum from the rest of the college football season, how do you see it finishing? I think it might be it. I think if you give me Darnell and Tyke, mm-hmm. I would probably predict a UGA win. If we don't have those two, I think it would be a close game, but I haven't seen enough out of UGA's running game to think that, like, you know, um, I haven't seen enough. I haven't seen enough out of this running game to think that it's just automatically able to do what Florida's did. Mm-hmm. And second question, to what extent, if any, will Vanderbilt's cancellation of their game against us last year result in the application of abnormal pain and woe and destruction on our part this year? <laughs> I don't actually think it will because mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to have to try any extra hard. Mm. It's, it's going to be any, any, yeah. any harder. Yeah. Like we're not going to have to try extra to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question comes from R123 more. After looking at all of Vanderbilt's individual player stats, the largest number I could find was 943. This is the amount of punting yards by Harrison Smith. For reference, Vanderbilt's offense has only posted 1,058 yards this season. What can Georgia do to contain this absolute weapon? I mean, play its first team in a base defense. <laughs> hmm. I mean, what yeah, you're gonna have to do a little bit more than that, but yeah, I think pretty much like run your run the first four plays out of your defensive playbook, and I think I think you'll have a chance. You know, it's kind of like hockey. Like in hockey, one of my favorite things about hockey was that in a tie game uh, and after several overtimes, if nobody has been declared a winner, you have a shoot off. I think that we should just kind of have a kickoff. Like we should go out into the the parking lot there outside the stadium and Camarda and this this Harrison Smith fella, they just, you know, kick the ball a few times. See who goes first. it out and see what happens. Oh, well, yeah. hold on. Let me say let me Let me ask this next one to you. Because okay. you have more experience in this city than I do. What's one thing in Nashville you you that you wish existed in Athens? So, uh, full disclosure, I have been to Nashville exactly once. And it was when I was traveling for work once and decided to go a long way back home and go through Nashville for one night. And so I was there for probably like six hours before I crashed. But I want um, one thing that I saw there, and please at me with your experiences of the same thing, is the Honky Tonk Central, y'all. Oh, man. Honky, Honky Tonk Central, like their bar street, I think it's just called Broadway, like everyone's is, it seems, in bigger cities. But Honky Tonk Central was like the mecca of like country bars there. And it was something more than a dive bar in that it was like very flashy and very well kept. And there's a lot of money spent there and, and spent to maintain it. But it's just three floors of country bar madness. And it is an absolute blast, let me tell you. Um, give me a three-story bar here in Athens, just one. Let's combine like mm-hmm. maybe six of the 125 or so we have into one like uh, Megazord bar, and let's make it mm-hmm. just uh, just an awful and wonderful place to be. And that's that's what I make want. it shaped like a Gundam, and then I'll Ooh, go just right in the center of town. You know, forget the trees. Yeah. <laughs> Two hundred foot tall Gundam bar. Gundam bar. Let's do it. I'm ready. <laughs> uh, okay. Next question, Rand. I'm going to say Rand because it's many A's. Uh, over, under, three and a half Vandy points. Jesus. I mean, <laughs> over, I guess. They have a pretty reliable kicker. It's really tough to, to not score or to, to shut out a team, no matter how bad the team is. It's just really tough to shut out mm-hmm. a team. Yeah. Um, this is actually a question from Ian. 
what's your favorite slash best tradition that Vanderbilt has? Um, I, I think that we might come back to this for the. Oh, you, you got one? Okay. Yeah. Go for it. And uh, I'm going to need an assist from. Um, well, I know. I thought Sarge was on here. But anyway, uh, Vanderbilt has this foghorn that they play when they score. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it's a low D flat on the tuba, <laughs> like not the pedal, but the one below the staff. And I love it because they would always they would always play it, and then whenever we were whenever the derbies were there, the tubas would all just be it would just it's just like oh you know or whatever because of the commodores, and then we would just like try to get in tune with it and then play uh-huh. the same note back to it. Those are the bad old days of RCB. We have Yara's lack Yara's lack of rage against the machine. Lack, <laughs> yeah, Yara lost their their rage this past weekend. Uh, question is no rage today, but how do I recover from pharyngitis? <laughs> Asking for a friend. So, do you know what pharyngitis is? Isn't it just a really sore throat? Like you lose it from from it could be yeah. any number of things. Yeah, but it's specifically. I think that what what Yara is talking about is that they lost. They have a sore throat and they lost their voice from the game because they were yelling. From just yelling. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I would say a stop talking. Mm-hmm. I know that's hard. It's hard for <laughs> me. My job is talking. B. I think um, doing the whole like gargling with hot salt water, warm salt water, is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Have a hot toddy um this is basically what happened to me before my wedding like i had no voice in my wedding and i was hopped up on all sorts of uh medications yeah. and gargling salt water vix, and tea and vix things, at so. night vix at night can be good sometimes if you are in your room and you might need either a dehumidifier or a humidifier while you sleep depending on how your room is like mm-hmm. if you have a very wet room or a very dry room that can be really bad <laughs> just the wettest well. room why is my room yeah. so wet all the time yeah Ugh. All, all right you ready that's our show. Hit us sorry, on the outro. Sorry, sorry to speed us through here, but I got to okay. get on. Get on, get it on. This has been Shaffle Bell Curve. You can find us in iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere you can subscribe to a podcast, including Spotify. You can get in touch with us on Facebook by searching Chapel Bell Curve, by email at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at Chapel Bell Curve. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a rating and a review. If you love today's episode, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Chapel Bell Curve. For as little as $1 a month, you can support the podcast and join our growing community on Discord. We will catch you in Nashville, the classic city in parts now known this weekend. Mm, but until then, go dogs. Go dogs.